I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. interview is part two uh, with Eden Rahim that we've now affectionately referred to as the In the Boardroom series, In the Boardroom series with Eden Rahim. Eden is, is wonderful. He's got so much to offer. He's got so much to bring uh, and, and to bear uh, on this field uh, uh, and on the uh, sector and on the space, the industry, whatever you want to call it. And I think each one of those words means something different here. Um, he's going to talk about why he invests in, in 50 of the 500 companies that are doing important biologic uh, work here in Canada. We talk about Watson and Crick and about a woman by the name of Rosalind Franklin and the anniversary today that was so uh, important to the genomic revolution. We talk about efficacious data. Is that not a great phrase? Um, we get into the whole notion of innovation and just we talk about chart, uh, going into unchartered territories. I mean, this is not just about investing. This is about a way forward. This is about little things. This is about building on discovery. This is about intuitive knowledge. This is about tacit knowledge. There's so much going on in this interview. I hope you stay tuned uh, uh, for the next part, part two of a two-part series with Eden Rahim from Next, Ed, Next Edge Capital. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and we are joined again by uh, uh, another, uh, well, a, a returning guest, a very special uh, returning guest. Eden Rahim is here from Next Edge Capital. Uh, Eden, thanks again for joining us today. Delighted to be here, David. I guess we could say this is sort of part two of the new series, which we're referring to affectionately as In the Boardroom. <laughs> that will be the title of this series, In okay. the Boardroom with Eden Rahim. Um, but this would actually be part three for us. So this will be our third interview together. So again, thanks for the, for the patience and thanks for joining us because I'm, I'm learning a heck of a lot. Tell me, tell me about the anniversary. What's today? What, what is so interesting about today? What is the date anyway? I love that when that it's, happens. April 25th. Uh, April 25th. That's right. So it's, uh, today commemorates the day in 1953 that Watson and Crick officially announced that the human DNA was a double helix. And uh, for that, of course, um, they received much notoriety, Nobel Prizes, yada, yada, yada. But the backstory is um, there was a third person, 
that was pivotal to them actually discovering the, uh, the structure of the DNA, and her name was Rosalind Franklin. And she had done an X-ray crystallography of the molecule, figuring out that it was a double helix. And that information uh, did get to Watson and Crick, but she didn't receive any credit at the time. So that is, uh, that's a huge injustice, I think, to her Not and her work. Not a huge surprise, really, knowing what we know about <coughs> that, whole, that whole world, really, uh, or absolutely. about the whole world, I suppose. The yeah. gender, gender disparity still in a lot of places around the world still rules, as we both know. But, yeah, and uh, that, that was unfortunate. Well, what's remarkable about that to me is, well, the story for, the, uh, for one, but is the, and I want to talk to you today about innovation. Sure. And I mean, I, we're, you know, we touched on that in our last, our last interview, part one of In the Boardroom. Uh, but the idea that x-rays, mm -hmm. that something led somewhere else, and without having the ability to see without having the ability, you know, the, the perspective that was required, uh, she would not have been able to connect the dots. Yes. Um, allow herself to ask those questions that needed to be asked, and it doesn't the investor, doesn't the uh, hedge fund investor have to do kind of a similar thing? I mean, it, there's, there's parallels there for sure, it seems to me. Yeah, insights come from, you know, the question that you pose how you look at the, the question, because anyone can basically ask, ask a question and, and answer it by rote. So really it comes, the angle from which you, you view the, the potential solution, uh, the tools that you use, that's what really makes the difference. That's where the insights come from. And, and so at the risk of, sorry, sorry for doing this for you, but just you know, pushing you and the fund and so on, isn't that kind of what you're bringing to the table with Next Edge? And that is, okay, of course, you know, we've got years of experience, we've got the background, we've got the history, we have the evidence and so on. But it's also, isn't it about, I mean, in a way, isn't it interesting that the field that you're in is about discovery and about innovation really is what's driving those 900 biologics that are in development forward or potentially forward. Yeah. But isn't that what you're bringing to the table as the investor? Those yeah. innovative aha moments, sorry for the cliche expression, perfect. but those discoveries, those, those epiphanies. Yeah, those, those, the, the, those eureka moments. Yeah, those eureka moments. Yeah. Went, these are the guys we need to invest in, and here's why. And that's why your fund can take those risks and uh, other investors can't. Yeah, and, and that's, it, it, that's the thing about how exciting it is to be in this space mm. because it's just not standing still. It's moving forward at an increasingly rapid pace. And you're participating alongside and spectating with this unfolding revolution. So there are over 500 public companies developing therapeutics. We invest in about 50 of those. So we, we ignore don't ignore, but we don't invest in 90% of the companies. And that's, is that because of the, the stage they're in, or is it the kind of drugs that they're working with? I mean, is it a variety of factors? It's a variety of factors, and, and that's pretty good. It's pretty good to, to identify those things, David, which is um, we tend not to focus on early-stage companies. We focus on late-stage companies that um, have already reported efficacious data for the most part. There are, there are exceptions, Great. obviously. Great phrase, efficacious yeah. data, by the way. Yeah. And um, we focus on certain therapeutic areas. I mentioned, you know, in part one, we, um, we focus on CNS indications. We think that's where the next big breakthroughs are coming. Um, there have been so many breakthrough therapeutics in cancer that the bar keeps rising. So any additional therapeutic that has to come has to be superior to a rising bar. 
Whereas with mm. CNS indications, it's an open field. Tell me, tell me a little bit before we get in. I want to, I want to hear what your definition of innovation is. Yeah. Uh, maybe from a life perspective, as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, and a husband, but I also want to know about it, you know, fiscally and scientifically and so on. Tell me about the genomic revolution that, that, that has occurred in the last 15 and a half years or so. Sure. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy story and the pace. And so full of hope. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Yes. Yeah, we, we, are, we are literally at the cusp of, again, one of the most exciting periods in drug development in human history. And a lot of that's been made possible by what we've discovered. So when, when I went to school, we assumed there were about 100,000 genes uh, that coded for different proteins. Then during the 1990s, uh, $3 billion was spent to decode the DNA, the first human genome decoded. Each human DNA, you, I, and everyone else, has about 3,000 base pairs. That's pricey. That's very That's pricey. That's pricey for you. Very expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. Ten years later, Illumina's HiSec machine can do the same thing for about $10,000. Wow. So ten, that is a 99.999% decline in cost. And that's extraordinary. Now that can be done, achieved for about $1,000. So, so hang on. So a $3 billion process after a good garage sale, yes. I could go out and get the same work done based yes. on the crap that I sold in my garage or my basement. Absolutely. It's, it's astounding. It's really. astounding. And now, in, ten, in 10 years? In 15 years. In 15, so, sorry, but in but 15 10 years, years. To, from, you know, down to 10000 So that's extraordinary. And... Now think about the fuel to the innovation fire that mm. that causes. Mm. Nice. So now you can have 100,000 or a million people have their DNA decoded. You can line them up and then you can cross-check each of them. And you can compare and realize that for those who have certain um, diseases or indications, you can identify which genes may be responsible for that just by cross-checking across you know thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of DNA now you can identify specific genes responsible for certain expressions we never had that power before so think about the breakthrough that this will result in when companies want to identify and create drugs to either express or suppress certain genes they now know with high specificity what gene that is. They now know how to design therapeutics that will express that specific gene and not others, not neighboring. So you see, for instance, when you take Enbrel, um, you get certain side effects. The and for those of you who haven't heard part one, I actually do take Enbrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm on the drug. But the reason why you get those side effects is because it's a bit of a gunshot approach. So you, it's a TNF-alpha uh, inhibitor, and then that, so that suppresses that, but, when, but it also blocks other receptors. And when it blocks those other receptors, you get side effects. So it blocks the intended receptor, but it also blocks unintended receptors. That's where the side effects come from. With more precise um, therapeutic development, you can block precisely what you want without blocking undesirable receptors. That's going to be a huge difference. It's also going to increase the speed with which a drug can be developed and moved to approval. 
So those disclaimers on the commercials on TV will get shorter, basically. Is what you're <laughs> yeah. So you, you won't there won't be risk of developing a third leg or anything <laughs> right. like that. Yeah, yeah. They won't run through them at like high yeah. ten times speed. That's maybe, right. They just got to cover all the really bad ones. <laughs> That's right. By the way, it does. It's really good for you, and it really does all these wonderful things. But every now and then, this happens too. <laughs> That's right. It exactly. just always cracks me up. The approach. What I love about that is to talk about this. Holy smokes! Talk about the splash and ripple effect. I mean, it's remarkable now. From from three billion dollars a test. Now, I mean, the 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 the. Um Wow, what what am I looking for? The tributaries, the yeah. the pathways that are going to emerge, the discoveries that are going to emerge that may not even be related to the pharmacological industry, that might be right. related to other industries, because there aren't a lot of discoveries made kind of by accident. Yeah, and um, a lot of them are, are made by accident, and, and they're always sort of consequences. But the you know, for instance, you talk about innovation. So another innovation that's unfolding right now that's going to work in tandem with what we're seeing with genomics. So, and, and this is gonna be a bit of your, your Gattaca. Uh, right, right, everything coming comes out back here. to a movie. <laughs> exactly, under, yeah, yeah. you know two of us. Yes, exactly, so, a couple cinephiles here yeah. <laughs> in the boardroom. Yes. Um, so there is a gene editing technology that's revolutionizing research, right? It's called CRISPR. And what it does, it mimics what bacteria do. So bacteria gets invaded by viruses and they've learned to edit that invading bacteria over millions of years to splice out that, that, that virus so that it doesn't destroy the bacterial cell. Well, about 10 years ago, Jennifer Dudna and her peers discovered that they can use this gene editing tool to edit human DNA. So it means that you can go down at precise locations and edit out certain genes. So remember we talked about the ability to discover which gene causes what? Well, in tandem with that, we're also developing a tool that we've never had before. So think about it. In the past five, ten years, we have two tools that are unprecedented to work with to make more precise therapeutics faster and more accurate. So you take something like cystic fibrosis. One single base pair accounts for that. One single base pair. What if you can edit out mm -hmm. that aberrant gene and replace it with the correct gene? This is what we're looking at. All, all of a sudden, the analogy of the puzzle actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. On a, on a certain level years ago, and I'm sure still on many levels, it's offensive, the simplicity of a 500-piece puzzle to the human genome. But you start to see it in a different way. Yes. And, and especially when you've got this data, because now it costs all of $1,000 to, to to delineate some of this data, to get more access, hundreds, yes. like as you said, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cases yes. and so on that we can check it against. It's, it's really quite remarkable. I still can't believe there's no cure for hair loss. <laughs> You're back to that. <laughs> we're, back, we're back to hair loss, yeah. Hang in there, buddy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I will hang in. So how do you, but, define, how do you define innovation? When you, when, you know, uh, um, I would imagine in a, a variety of ways, I would think. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a very general term. I guess it depends on what it's applied to. Um, you know, we're speaking in terms of biotech here. So I've described a couple of ways yeah, sure. that are gigantic magnitudes of order leapfrog over what we could do a decade ago, right? And a decade ago was already a huge advance on the prior decade, but now it's accelerating because we're, we're literally um, going into uncharted territories as far, as far as our processing power. So that's why, for instance, you've got 
non-healthcare companies like Google, IBM, um, Amazon that are big data processors that are coming in and they're looking at, well, all these three billion base pair DNAs are gonna need analyzing. Mm. So they have this fast, you know, terabit processing capacity sure. and analytics that they can go through and analyze and cross compare. So they have come into the space, there's business opportunities for them. You talked about the ripple effect. This is an example. You've got, um, there will be, in the next five or 10 years, a move towards precision medicine, so that in most doctor's offices, there will be devices that will take your blood sample and decode your DNA. And you will be able to identify if you have a propensity based on what we've already now discovered in the near future, that if you express this gene or you carry this gene, you may have a propensity to this. These are things that will be you know, available in five to 10 years. This, you know, the stuff of science fiction is now the stuff of science fact. That's how extraordinary it is. And most investors, most of the public aren't even aware of this. So the little gizmo that Bones carries around in Star Trek is That's not it. that, it's it's not that not far that away. Far. It's not that far yeah, away at all. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, there's a part of me as a philosopher and, uh, uh, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah, that kind of wants to run screaming from it yeah. on some level. Ethically, it's, it seems to open up a whole lot of doors yeah. that you hope are going to remain closed. So, right? so there will be a this rule. This is the stuff of science fiction. It is, right? but there will be a rule for medical ethicists right. as well because there will be decisions that have to be made. You know, but Pandora's box has been opened. We are going, we're going down that path. Um, we've always tried to be prudent as far as addressing ethical concerns. For instance, with CRISPR, the big debate with CRISPR is it's okay to use on adults or children where you can replace a defective gene with the correct gene, but you don't use it on your sex cells because you don't want these changes to be hereditary necessarily because mm -hmm. these because now you're dealing with different things you know once it's hereditary that's that's a whole different thing yeah it's just so funny you know we talk we talk briefly about side effects immediately i go to how do you presuppose that it's not having an impact on the cell the sex right. cells you know yeah. and that's a whole other podcast and a whole other conversation and we yeah. need a team of experts in the room probably to talk about it so as long as you but, don't yeah. you know change those genes at that yeah. point yeah that's fine yeah how, how do you decide as a, an investor, uh, as an expert investor, you know, you look at trial two and three mm -hmm. drug companies, biologic companies, how do you decide which ones? What, that's the innovative CEO. Yeah. There's the team. There's the guys. Those guys are going to break ground. Yes. I'm, I'm getting an intuitive sense over here. I mean, there's got to be some of that as well. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's an eclectic mix of all I, these I variables. Bet, I, I bet it Subjective is. Subjective and quantitative factors. Uh, you got news. You got yeah. history. You got, um, you got uh, data. You've got experience. Yep. You've got uh, articles that you're just reading on, a, on an ongoing basis. What's actually in the news? What's, what, what isn't yep. in the news? Yep. Right? Absolutely. You know, all, all the news that fits a print. Well, what didn't make in? What, what didn't make it in is probably stuff that's interesting you more. Yes. That'd and, be my sense. You know, and, and, you know, things like key opinion leaders. So, you know, before we started the interview, we were looking at the, the FDA advisory committee for Sarepta's right. Tepsilin, Right. And, um, and I was showing you, you've got this panel of, you know, 13 independent experts that are reviewing a drug up for approval and they're called key opinion leaders. And, and I rely on, on key opinion leaders. If I know I, I like a company that's developing a certain therapeutic, 
I will read papers written by these Q opinion leaders to see whether or not they think the drug that in question that I'm looking at merits their time to, to give to patients or whether they think it'll just be another Me Too drug mm. or will it be groundbreaking and they will give it to patients. If it's groundbreaking, I'm in, right? Because they've already, they've already done it, a lot of the heavy lifting. Some of them have participated in trials and that counts a lot for me, right? Because you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to ask the right questions right. and focus on the right variables. Right. You know, it's a very complex field. You narrow it down to the what, what the important variables are. There's always someone that knows more, um, that has a vaster range, and you know, if that were the case, all the PhDs would have been the best investors, but they're not. What's so cool about what you just said, you know, I'll ask all the right questions and focus on, on the right variables, yes. really is advice for pretty much everyone. Yeah. Right across the board. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like parents, teachers, Rotarians, yeah. pastors, Cub Scout leaders. Yeah, right? that don't, I mean, and don't seriously. get sidetracked by noise. Right. Noise, noise right. that looks important. Right, right. So, so, so are those, uh, those are some of the tools that help you focus on innovative companies. Yes. What are the things uh, based on, I mean, because it's kind of a new field, really. I mean, it's how, it's how only many, one generation old. Yeah, I mean, so, that, it's one of the youngest. And to, to go from where they are, where they began to where they are now, that speaks to how exceptional the innovation has been in this area. And to think that it's actually still youthful. Yeah. And we're at the cusp of another huge phase of growth. So let's, you know, sadly, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon uh, again, and probably going to have to lead into a part three at some point in the very near future. <laughs> but tell me a little bit about, you know, the, the observation we made in our earlier chat about this idea of impact investing and how this is really changing and sustainability and you know, making a difference and responsible investing and, and, and so on. Um, do you sleep a little bit better at night? I mean, I know you don't sleep very much at all, <laughs> but do you sleep a little bit metaphorically better at night knowing that you really are a part of a field that's moving, frankly, at the risk of sounding really corny and trite, the, the human race forward? Yeah, and that's a great point. I think a lot of the investors in my fund um, think similarly. Mm. You know, long term, they will make lots of money. Um, but also, you are contributing, you are helping to fund the development of life saving therapeutics. Biotech is not involved in nice to haves mm. or me too's. You know, it's so complex, you're dealing, you're harnessing the, the, the molecular biology to create new drugs. So it's, they don't have the luxury of a nice to have. It costs hundreds of billions of dollars to develop a drug and the failure rate's high. They don't have that luxury. So everything they have to focus on has to be groundbreaking. It has to be better than anything that exists there before. Otherwise, it will not get the pricing and they will not uh, be profitable and they will not survive as a company. So everything they do is focused on innovation and saving lives. My dad, as you know, suffered from Parkinson's for over 30 years, yeah. diagnosed, probably had it much, much longer. And it's interesting with all our conversations about euthanasia going on and so on. And yeah. I remember having a conversation with him uh, and, and, uh, on an ethical level about this whole idea. You know, uh, there's you know, and I would often hear from my dad about, about the groundbreaking things that were supposedly coming. And, yes. You know, I would share articles with him and he would share them with me. I mean, it's got to be such a difficult industry. 
sector is a better way yes. to look at it, I suppose, or space. Yeah. Because because it's you you're always feeling like you're just you know it's one more incremental step and we're there we're we're at the thousand dollar analysis versus the three billion. It's just yes. one more step. Yes. And that was kind of always this anticipation that my father had. Yes. And uh, on one hand, it would be kind of heartbreaking to find out that the the, the cure was around the corner. Yeah. And yet at the same time kind of feels like it is yeah um cure is a big leap okay um with with many of the ailments oh. because biotech addresses really chronic ailments right right so it's it's addressing what is not addressable by existing terms now that said you've had gilead's harvoni cure hepatitis c right which is like Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, I know in my own case, yeah. even just to echo what you said about the cure, uh, my word, not yeah. yours, but that when, when I started taking Enbrel, it started to deal with the disease itself. Yes, it's disease modifying. Exactly. So the yes. older drugs were dealing with other things. Symptomatic. Symptomatic and yeah. so on. And the side effects to those were, in some cases, horrendous. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, on the stomach yes, and absolutely. On, the, on other parts of my body. Yeah. So that was the first time for me just getting a better understanding of what was possible, yes. I suppose. And Enbrel was developed in the 1990s. Mm. Think about the drugs yeah, wow. that are being developed this decade. Right. And what is known, and what and, and what are they going to be doing in twenty six? Exactly so, right. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Eden Rahim, uh, Next Edge Capital. I feel like we just have barely scratched the surface, <laughs> Eden, once again. But thanks for talking about you know the simple things, a genomic revolution, and you know, um, uh, come on, throw some more terminology out there for me. Rosalind. There you go. <laughs> Rosalind will do. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us today, uh, Eden Rahim from Next Edge Capital. Thank you, David. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com <laughs> 